Well, in 21 days of prayer in August, I always like to teach about prayer. I like to talk about prayer. I think prayer is something that's uh, not natural for most of us, and uh, it can be difficult to have a, a, a prayer life that is consistent and strong, and where you feel like you're hearing from God on a regular basis, and where you feel like God is hearing from you. But I think accomplishing that, learning how to live your life with that discipline, is the thing that will give you the most benefit of any part of the Christian life. That being being in constant communication and relationship with God is one of the most important things that you can do to experience the fullness and satisfaction that God has intended for you to enjoy in this life. And so we talk about it every August, and this year we're, we're in a series called Hearing God. Hearing God, uh, which if you want to go deeper with that idea, uh, we got our series title from a book called Hearing God by Dallas Willard. Now, Dallas Willard wrote books a long time ago, and uh, he, he, uh, he's gone on to be with the Lord now, and so his writing style isn't always the most engaging. But I promise, if you will commit yourself to read through some of these books that he's written, Spirit of the Disciplines, uh, Hearing God, Renovation of the Heart, uh, that there are very few resources that are going to move you further along in your walk with Jesus than those ones. And so, Dallas Willard, Hearing God is a resource that I used when I was putting this series together. You got to check it out. Well, today I want to talk specifically about how to recognize God's voice. How to recognize God's voice. How do I know that what I'm hearing is God? How do I know that I'm hearing from God about what He wants for my life? How do I know if the movement in my spirit is God telling me to do something or go somewhere or if it's just the pizza that I had for lunch? These are important questions. If you follow Jesus, you need to know where he is going and how you can get there as well. If you've been in church for a long time, odds are that at some point uh, you have heard somebody say, the Lord has led me to X, Y, Z. The Lord has led me to move to Oklahoma. He wants me to go where the winds sweep over the plains. I heard it in a song. The Lord is leading me to start this Bible study. The Lord is leading me to become a missionary. The Lord is leading me to go on a date with this specific girl. The Lord wants me to tell you something. The Lord has led me. The Lord has told me. The Lord is speaking to me. We hear these phrases in the church. And maybe you're like I was for a long time. And you hear people saying that. And you're like, well, how come he didn't tell me anything? When is, when's it going to be my turn? I'm just trying to figure out what I'm going to have for, for dinner tonight. And I would love the Lord to speak into it a little bit. I'm very indecisive as a person. We'll start there and then maybe we can move into these major life decisions that I feel so lost in. Uh, if you've been in church for a while, you've heard people say God told them to do things that made a lot of sense. And you've heard people say that God told them to do things that didn't make any sense. Uh, for instance... And I'm just coming for you right now. Single guys, do not tell a girl that God told you she was going to be your wife. <laughs> if he really did tell you that, which he probably didn't, but if he really did, it's a private message for you. Pursue her honestly and earnestly and respectfully and don't use any kind of spiritual manipulation. On the other side of that, don't blame God when you want to break up with somebody. God told me I just need to date him for a while, just me and Jesus, and then two months later, you're dating somebody else. <laughs> Maybe the relationship that you're in is bad news. Maybe scripture would align with you ending the relationship, but don't make this person that you're breaking up with hate God forever because of it. Instead, 
try, hey, I think we need to break up. I don't feel healthy in this relationship. I'm so sorry. It's just a lot easier to say, God told me we have to break up. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. It's his. Don't be mad at me. It wasn't my decision. It, it's not you. It's him. <laughs> Very sorry. We, we've all heard some cringeworthy things that Christians say God told them to do, and it's given God a bad reputation, honestly. It's made us look bad. It's made him look bad. It's made people resent God, move away from God, not want anything to do with God. And what it's really done, and I think this is the worst thing that it's done, is, is it's diluted what it means when we really do hear from God. When we really do need to communicate to somebody that I've heard from God and they want me to do this thing. It's a little bit diluted because now there's a skepticism a lot of people have. They say, oh, okay. Yeah, I've heard this line before. We have to protect this idea of hearing from God by understanding really how to identify his voice and separate it from all the other voices. How do we know when it is actually God's voice? Jesus said this in John chapter 10, beginning in verse 3. It says, The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he's brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Church, we have got to learn how to recognize our shepherd's voice. We have to know who we are following so that we can run away when the voice is coming from the wrong sources. It's important uh, for us to know what God is really telling us so that we can recognize his voice. Have you ever been waiting for your order somewhere and they call your name, but you're zoned out, so you just keep standing there? Maybe this doesn't happen to you. It happens to me all the time. I ask for a half a pound of ham at Ingalls, and then I'm standing back, and I'm just completely zoned out. And they're like, here you go, sir. Here you go, sir. Sir, it's your ham. It's like two other people there. I'm like, so sorry. Excuse me. You know. They call your name again and again and again. You don't recognize it because you don't recognize the voice. You recognize the name. You don't recognize the voice. It takes you a minute. But what about when your kids say your name? Now, some of us, maybe that's been diluted because you hear it a thousand times a day. But what about your spouse? I can be in a crowded room and my wife can say my name and I'm half deaf, but I will respond immediately because I recognize her voice. I can pick it out. We've got to learn God's voice like that. When all the other voices are speaking and talking, we need to know when it's him. And there's other voices that are trying to call us and trying to lead us and trying to give you directions to follow. There's an enemy that's trying to distract you and send you in another direction. There's an enemy in this world. In fact, the Bible speaks about him a great bit. There is a spiritual force in this world that is opposing you. I talked about him a few weeks back. You can go back and listen to some of our old messages on the app. And I talked about the devil and what his plans are for us and the strategies that he uses. And one of the great strategies that he has is to fill your head with lies. He'll test you. He'll test your maturity. He'll tell you that it's God's will for you to be happy. God just wants you to be happy. And therefore, you should do whatever that takes, even if it means leaving your family to go follow this other person because then you'll be happier. 
the devil will tell you that you should put earning money above all other things because then you can use that money to bless the kingdom of God. He'll tell you that casual sex is not a big deal because it's not hurting anyone. God made sex. Sex is good in any context. He'll tell you all of these things that you want to hear. And he'll make his voice sound like it's an important voice coming to you from straight up above. His voice is there. Your own voice is another voice. Your own voice. The part of you that wants to satisfy you and you alone. The part of you that tells you to look out for number one, that tells you to gratify your own desires, that tells you to do whatever it is that you want to do because that's what makes you happy. And if I check off these boxes, I go to church, I serve the dream team, I do this or that, I give some to church. If I do those things, then I can spend the rest of my life doing exactly what it is that I want because that's what makes me happy and I've got to listen to my voice. See, we got a lot of voices giving us direction. What about the voices of others? All these people who are always speaking into your life. Sometimes they're speaking into your life on behalf of God. Sometimes they're speaking into your life on behalf of themselves. And sometimes it's just on behalf of whatever the world wants. We got a lot of voices giving us direction. How do we know which ones are from God and which ones or not? This is one of the most important questions you can ask as a follower of Jesus. As Christians, we blamed a lot of decisions on hearing from God when we almost certainly did not. I mean, ever heard of the Crusades? We got to understand how God speaks better. 1 John 4.1 tells us, dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see if they're from God. Test the spirits to see if they are from God. See, I believe you're going to hear. You're going to hear from some spirits in your life. You're going to give, be given direction. Things that, that you want to do or that you don't want to do. Places you feel moved to go. And I think every single time that you do, it's imperative that we follow the, the advice of John and we learn how to test the spirits. So what I want to do today is just give you a basic test to test the spirits, to discern whether or not you are following the will of God. Here's the good news. The more that you do this, the easier it gets. Jesus talks about his sheep. They just follow his voice because they know his voice. And the more you devote yourself to the spiritual disciplines, to prayer, to studying God's word, to recognizing his voice, the more that you do these things that we're going to talk about, the easier it will become for you to recognize God's Will, there is a gift that comes from the power of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you called the gift of discernment. And the gift of discernment is the gift of testing spirits, of being able to determine whether or not it is good or it is not. And you will learn and you will grow and you will develop that, but there is a process to get there. So the first thing that we do to test the spirit is we ask, does it line up with the Bible? Does it line up with the Bible. You're trying to figure out if God wants you to do something or not, if you're hearing from him or not. If that little desire, that little whisper in your heart is coming from God or not, first place that you should look is in the Bible. God will never, ever, 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 ever tell you to do something that contradicts the Bible. He will not. 
If you feel led to do something that would not align with God's word, with what he's called you to do already in the Bible, you're just not being led to do it. Uh, for example, in Luke 6, 27, it says, I say to you who hear, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. So if you feel like the Lord is leading you to ostracize and oppose or even hate a certain group of people, even people that ostracize, oppose, or even hate you, you are being led by the wrong spirits. You are not being led by God. God just doesn't work like that. He's never told anybody to do anything that ran in opposition to his scripture. The enemy does, though. In fact, it's one of his greatest strategies. He makes us question scripture, and he will twist it so that we can do what we want and what he wants because he knows it's a path that leads us to destruction. It says in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you even touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you surely will not die. For God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Did God actually say, I mean, what do you think the Bible even really means by that? That's old. That sort of thing, is, it's outdated. It doesn't make sense to just follow that anymore. Did God really say that? I mean, you really think you'll die? I mean, surely you're not going to actually die. The enemy took the words of God and he sowed doubt into their meaning. It's what he does today. He tried it with Jesus in the desert. In the temptation story of Jesus, uh, in Matthew chapter 4, it says the devil tempted Jesus by quoting scripture to him. He brought him scripture. But what he was using scripture to tell Jesus to do contradicted other scripture. And so Jesus just quoted that scripture and resisted the devil. See, we have been doing this as long as we've had the written Bible. We've been taking it out of context. We've been taking it out of context to make it fit what we want to do, to make it fit what, what feels right, to make it fit something that gives us power or control over people. We've been taking it out of context. It's the devil's strategy. It's his voice. He's done it over and over and over and over again. He really just runs just a couple plays on repeat. And this is one of his favorite ones. He does it to Jesus and he does it to man all the time. In the Old Testament, uh, Moses gives a law that makes it permissible to divorce your wife. He did that because there are some scenarios where divorce, divorce is the best option. Abuse, affairs, among others, are things that the Bible names. But over time, people took this as an allowance to leave their spouse because they saw somebody that looked better, because they got bored, because things got difficult, because a lifetime of commitment is hard. And so the Pharisees, they bring this to Jesus one day to try to trap him with this scripture. It says this, some Pharisees came to him and tested, to test him. And they said, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Haven't you read, this is Jesus talking, that at the beginning, the creator made them male and female and said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. What does this response mean? Does it mean you can't get divorced? No, 
it means that it's probably not God's will unless it falls into some, some compromise. I'm not teaching this to come down on you if you're divorced or you're going through a divorce. If that's you, I've got nothing but compassion for you. I've walked through some of that. I've walked through that with some of my closest friends and I've seen that it's painful on every side and in every situation. But what I want you to understand is how to hear God's voice and how your enemy will twist what the Bible says or throw doubt and confusion into it to confuse you into thinking you're getting the seal of approval that you may not be getting. In other words, Jesus is saying that marriage is sacred, that it's supposed to be permanent, that it shouldn't be broken just for any and every reason. If you get divorced just because you didn't get along anymore, don't say that God told you to. He probably didn't. I know that these things are true because they align with the whole of Scripture. And this is why it's so important to study Scripture, to pour over it, to know the words contained within, to read it every single day. Because the more you study God's Word, the more you understand His Word, the easier it will be for you to identify His voice and whether or not it aligns with the whole of Scripture. It says in Hebrews 4.12 that the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. In other words, it's not just a book that you read and it's always the same. That there is power in the written word of God to, to divide things. To help you determine if the direction that you're going in is the right direction. If the voice that you're following is the voice of your shepherd. Get on a Bible reading plan and read it every day. Just pick a plan and read it every day. Pick a plan, and they've got it in audio now, every format imaginable to where you can study God's Word and try to understand it. And it, there are times where it's hard to understand, and conversations where you might need to go talk to somebody else, a trusted friend, an advisor, a pastor, and say, hey, I'm, I'm trying to make this decision for my life and I need to understand if it aligns with God's word. Can you help me understand this passage? That's why the community of the church is so valuable and so important that we can come alongside one another and help each other. Second thing, second thing to test the spirit is, will it make me more like Christ? Will it make me more like Christ? If you wanna know if God is moving you in a certain direction, very simply, does it make you more like Jesus or less like Jesus. Sneak peek for next week. If you want to know, ooh, that rhymed a lot. Sneak peek for next week. If you want to know God's will and plan for your life, he already gave it to you, and it's written down very clearly in the scripture that I talked about. Matthew 16, 24, Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Matthew 4, 19, and he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Matthew 9, 9, as Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. Matthew 19, 21, Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, go and sell what you possess and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. Matthew 10, 38, whoever does not take up his cross and follow me, it's not worthy of me. And then John, just for fun, John 10, 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, 
and they follow me. I wonder what it is that Jesus wanted me to do with my life. I wonder if it could be that he just wants me to follow him. He's called you to deny yourself and to follow him. So if you want to know if he's calling you to do, some, do something, you need to ask if it's something you would do in following Jesus. Who had a, what would, you, what would Jesus do bracelet? Anybody? What would Jesus do? Some of y'all still got it. I've seen one recently. What would Jesus do bracelets took over the Christian world in the 1990s. Uh, it was supposed to make you constantly stop and ask the question, what would Jesus do in order to make the right decision? But in this book, Spirit of the Disciplines by Dallas Willard, this is a Dallas Willard series, like it or not, uh, he talks about the what would Jesus do bracelets and the movement that, that led to the bracelets. And he talks about how difficult it is to stop over and over and over and over again and ask yourself, what would Jesus do? It's honestly, it's exhausting. I'm at, I'm at Mills River Creamery trying to pick an ice cream flavor and I got to say, what would Jesus do? He's clearly, he's a moose tracks guy. I'll take that cow tracks over there. Uh, what, what would Jesus do question shouldn't be something that we're constantly stopping to ask ourselves. The spirit of the disciplines that Dallas Willard tries to teach is that when you pray every single day and when you study God's word every single day and when you take out time for Sabbath in your week every week, when you take out time for silence and solitude like we talked about last week and, and you pursue the Holy Spirit in those ways, what happens is you begin to change and transform because you're following in the way of Jesus. And the more that you follow in the way of Jesus, the less you have to stop and ask yourself, what would Jesus do? Because a transformation happens in you. The very spirit of the disciplines that that book is written about is that the more you practice the disciplines, the more you carry the Spirit. It means that you begin to hear from God and recognize His voice because you're acting like one of His sheep. And so, I, I'm not going to tell you to buy a what would Jesus do bracelet and wear it every single day so that you're making the right decisions and hearing the real voice of God? I don't think that's the answer. I think that the answer is to do what Jesus has called you to do and follow the calling that's on your life and live in the purpose that's on your life and follow him, follow him, follow him. That's our goal. We spend less time stressing out about whether or not God wants us to work in this job or that job. Uh, we spend less time worrying about whether or not God wants us to date this person or that person. And we spend more time just following Jesus, growing in the disciplines that bring us closer to him, doing the things that he did, serving people, loving people, caring for people, doing what Jesus did, and you will begin to make the right decisions all on your own. You will know beyond a shadow of a doubt the voice you are hearing from is the voice of your shepherd because you are spending more and more and more time following your shepherd. Number three, does godly counsel agree? Does godly counsel agree? Here's a good measuring stick to decide if you really are hearing from God or not on the direction that you should go. Who are you asking to speak into it? Are you only asking people who have made the same decision before? Meaning, if you're thinking about selling your house, are you only going to ask people for advice who have just sold their house? Or are you also asking people who've lived in the same place for decades what they think about your decision? 
If you're considering ending your marriage, are you only going to talk to people who are divorced? Or are you also going to talk to your friends who've been married for decades and ask them how they did it? If you're only getting counsel from people who tell you what you want to hear, you are not getting counsel. Proverbs 12, 15 says, the way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. We always think that we're making the right choice. We're doing it right. But it is important to talk to others. There's a, a story in 2 Chronicles chapter 10. I don't have it on the slides, but I thought of it this morning. The son of Solomon was ruling over Judah. His name was Rehoboam. And as he stepped into his kingship, he kind of wanted to know the way to go. Because the people had built the temple. They'd worked very hard. They were tired. And they came to him and they said, we're very tired. Your father, he worked us really hard. And what we're asking from you is our new king is a lighter hand. That you would give us a little bit of peace during your reign. And Rehoboam, he, he, was, he was like, oh, what do I do? What do I do? So he went and he talked to uh, his father's elders. These were the men that advised the wisest king to ever live, King Solomon. And what they said was, yes, if you want your people to love you and serve you well, give them a little bit of a lighter hand. Show them kindness. Show them kindness and they will love to follow you. And Rehoboam listens to this. and It's like 22-year-old guy, you know. He's like, nah, nah, not going to do it. And so he, instead he goes and he asks his buddies that he's grown up with. What should I do? And his buddies say, man, you, you know, you got you to gotta show them who's the boss, man. You got you to gotta let these people know, bud. You got you to tell them who's in charge. You need, to rule, you need to rule them even harder. So Rehoboam, he likes that advice, and he goes to the people, and he says, you think my father ruled you hard? Well, my pinky finger is thicker than my father's waist. I, he whipped you with whips. I'm going to whip you with scorpions. He just said a bunch of WWE stuff to these people. They did not take it well. The first 10 years of his reign are marked by rebellion and unrest. Because here's what happens. We often, we already have a decision made up in our mind when we're trying to figure out what we should do. Where we're trying to decide if we're hearing from God. We're making a big decision. We know we should pursue God on this decision. We know we should pray about it. We should listen. But we pray about it, but we're just, we've already got a decision in our head. And so then we search scripture for it, but that's boring. We move on. And then we're like, we should go talk to somebody else. And we just talk to the people that we know are going to give us the answer that we want. You've got to have wise counsel. And wise counsel isn't just your buddies that you grew up with. Wise counsel is the people who you have seen make the kind of decisions you want to make, who are living the type of life that you want to live. We have overseers for the church. I have a lot of mentors because I've made so many bad decisions, just mountains. And so at some point I realized if I'm going to make even just one good decision, I'm going to have to have a good, wise counsel around me. And we have overseers as part of the structure of government for this church. Uh, these are lead pastors of other churches that speak into it. And I have guys on my board that are wildly different. They lead different kind of churches, different size churches. Uh, some are like a brother to me and some are like a spiritual father to me. Uh, I had a guy who just stepped off the board who was like a spiritual grandfather to me. He mentored my father when he was young in his faith. And then he mentored me and he cared for our church so well. And when I go to these guys, to these 
overseers to make a decision. I don't just, because I, I know kind of where they're going to lean if I'm making a decision. And it would be easy to just call the one guy that I know is going to say, yeah, man, that's a great idea. You should do it. There's always somebody that you think I could ask them for advice. No, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I already know what they're going to say. It could be that that's the person you need to hear from the most. And so the question isn't just, did you ask godly counsel? It's, does, does godly counsel agree? Does godly counsel agree? Meaning, when I go to these overseers and I'm testing the Spirit to see if I'm hearing from God, I ask all of them and I look for agreement. If one in four of them agrees, I'm not just going to go and do what that one says. I'm going to go back into prayer. I'm going to go back into studying God's Word. And then I'm going to seek godly counsel again. Because this counsel of people are people that I trust to speak into my life. You got to have people like that. You got to have people that aren't exactly like you and that can speak into the decisions you're making and they will tell you. You need to find somebody who already has the spiritual gift of discernment and ask them to test the spirits on your behalf. Hey man, I think I'm hearing from God. Here's what I'm hearing. What do you think for me? And all the time I'll ask my four guys that and they'll say either, you know, man, it sounds to me like you've prayed through this, like it aligns with scripture. If you think you're hearing from God, go for it. Or they'll say, you know what, here's, here's some direction that God's given me for your church and it, it doesn't line up with what you're talking about. So let's, let's work through that together. Let's talk through that. Or they'll say, John Mark, I think you're missing God on this one. I really don't think this is a, this is a wise decision. Let's talk to somebody else and let's bring in some more counsel and let's come to a decision together. And it has saved me from making some of the worst decisions imagined, dumbest things. Seek godly counsel. Seek godly counsel. If you want to know if somebody is the right person, look at the evidence. Have they shown consistency in following God well? Have they made good decisions in their life? Then trust them to help you in yours. Last thing is this. The last thing but it's, it's last but not least. Ask the question, do I have peace? 1 Corinthians 14.33 says, God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. We have an advantage that we cannot forget about. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are not standing outside the walls of a temple trying to hear from a distant God. If you are a follower of Jesus... You have the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of the living God dwells within you. He's present with you in every moment. And He will absolutely help you discern His will. And the more you learn to hear Him, the easier it becomes. The more time you spend with Him, the louder you can hear Him. I'll never forget a conversation I had with my dad when I was a teenager. We were at Wild Wing Cafe. Where's the Wild Wing people at? Come on, somebody. Anyways, mm, the, it's, the food's not very good. It's, I just love it. I don't know why. Um, the food is incredible. Who am I kidding? Anyways, um, we were sitting at a booth at the Wild Wing downtown Charleston in my hometown. And uh, I had just learned about the hypothalamus in high school. 
Anybody know about the high? I don't know. I still, I know what, that it does one thing. It tells you when you're full. And I said to my dad, as I was eating like 25, 30 chicken wings, I said, dad, did you know that you can ignore your hypothalamus? And if you do it enough times, you can eat as much as you want. Your body will never tell you you're full again. Did you know that, dad? And my dad looked at me and said, yeah, I knew that. Just, just looking at his teenage son, just being a complete fool with these chicken wings. But he leaned across the table and he said, son, you know, the Holy Spirit is like that too. The more you listen to him, the stronger his voice is, the easier he is to listen to, the easier he is to hear. But the more you ignore him, just do whatever you want to do, the more you get to just do whatever you want to do because the less you'll be able to hear him, the less you'll know his voice, the less you'll feel him moving you and pushing you to make the right decisions. So you have the Holy Spirit's power inside of you. And the more you seek him and listen to him and hear him, the easier he is for you to identify so that you can, you can seek the spirit of discernment in these decisions. You still need to test it against scripture because God is never gonna call you to do something that contradicts scripture. And you still need to test it and test that spirit in wise counsel and, and talk to people and, and get some people to speak into your lives. Always a good decision. All these things matter. But do you have peace? Because if God is calling you to do it, he is gonna give you a peace over it, an overwhelming peace. A peace that doesn't always make sense, but that surpasses some understanding. It says in Philippians 4, 6, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, bring your requests to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Nine years ago, Rail and I, we're in this city for the first time since we felt called to start a church. We knew we were meant to go somewhere with people like us. We always just didn't really feel like we fit in at church. We knew we were meant to go to a place that had more people that felt like they didn't fit in, didn't feel welcome or wanted. We knew that we were supposed to go to a place where community was broken. And people needed to learn how to actually be known by somebody else and to know others. We needed to find a place that suited the specific call that God put on our hearts. And when we got here into this city, immediately, we felt it in our souls. It was unmistakable. This was the place we were being led. This was the place God wanted us to start this church. It was a peace that passed on all understanding. So seek God. Seek Him. Pray. Ask Him. Listen for His voice. Listen for His peace. Test Him. Test the spirits. Test God against Scripture. To ask, is it going to make me more like Jesus or less like Jesus? Is it going to bring me closer in my purpose of following Him? Or is it going to be a distraction, a side thing? Is it going to move me away? Does godly counsel agree and do I have a peace about it? If you're in here today and you've honestly had to make every hard decision in your life just on your own or with your friends because you don't 
have a relationship with Jesus, I want you to know that that can end right now. There is a great way to live this life full of grace and joy. I want you to know that no matter who you are, what you've done, where you've been, what you've been through, God just loves you exactly the same as he did the moment he created you. You cannot remove his love from your life. He's been proud of you since the day you were born. He's still proud of you. Loves you. He cares for you. And he wants to lead you through this life. He wants you to hear his voice and know it's him. He doesn't just want to be some distant religion that you study. He wants to be a God that you have relationship with. He wants you to know him. He, want to be, he wants to be known by you. And he wants you to be known by him. So if you're ready to enter into a relationship with him today, every head bowed, every eye closed, it just starts with a conversation, a prayer. It goes like this, Heavenly Father, forgive me for who I am. Forgive me for my sin. Uh, forgive me for trying to do it on my own. Everything that I am today, God, I give it to you. I lay it at your feet. I am yours. I want to follow you. I want to know your voice. In Jesus' name, amen.